Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled A Pandemic in Bible Prophecy, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please check our show notes for links to our home website and other information you may want to know. Our show notes are found with every episode. We are located on 22 platforms. Check out the list under the podcast menu item on our homepage at unchurched.site123.me. Last week, April 11th, we studied the first part of a pandemic in Bible prophecy, starting in chapter 7 of Exodus. Do we see coronavirus or COVID-19 in our Bibles, either in general or by name, regardless of why? Absolutely not. Are there pandemics in the Bible? Yes, there are. They are called, in those days simply, a plague. In the more prominent occurrences of pandemics, the word pandemic is not used in the Bible that I can find. Yet we see, in both cases, that disease spreads far and wide, hardships of many types also spread far and wide as well. In fact, in the book of Revelation, these events are clearly global. Either way, in Exodus or in Revelation, Regarding these events, we are looking at what we today call a pandemic situation. This week, we continue to examine similar incidents of pandemics or plagues in the book of Exodus as our own today in present times. Yes, we have heard a lot about the present global pandemic. Many American pastors have gone on television and the various places on the Internet to compound our fears. They also try to lessen this impact by telling us that we are close to the ascension of God's people. Yes, we need to wake up, and our ascension is very close. However, expressing that need with all manner of verbal thunder is not the way to address people who are already scared for themselves, their families, and friends. Again, do we see coronavirus or COVID-19 in our Bibles either in general or by name, regardless of why? Aren't there pandemics in the Bible? Yes, there are. Exodus is one book of the Bible that comments on such events. Ten events total, to be specific. We see that disease spreads far and wide, even in a world less populated than it is in present day. Hardships of many types also spread far and wide. So, again, What does that have to do with the pandemic we are presently living in? 
My personal answer to that question is that this present pandemic is a warning to mankind that the issues that came in past years are real, such as here in Exodus. It also, in my mind, speaks to the future outlined in the book of Revelation as being all too real in what is to come in soon. To be clear, in this series, we will examine the plagues we find in the book of Exodus to maybe better understand something about this present pandemic time. Is there a spiritual reason for this pandemic we are in that we are missing? Is there no real reason for this pandemic other than how this virus is improperly handled at a test facility? The answer to both those questions certainly seems to be yes. Evidence being revealed almost weekly seems to support this answer as correct. However, we need to keep our heads and better examine this issue to properly understand where we stand. Last week, we started by noting why these plagues in the book of Exodus occurred. We first looked at the reasoning for these plagues. We noted that Exodus has six chapters that lead up to the plagues, pandemics, we will study here. As I said last week, we need to be careful when looking at patterns. We can see more than is actually in Scripture. So, we need to keep that kavit in mind so we do not descend into error. This commentary passage will give us insight on the first plague we touched on last week of the Nile turning to blood, the fish dying and creating a very strong stench, offensive to any nose smelling it. Commentary reads, This miracle was also imitated by the magicians. The question, where they got any water that was still unchanged, is not answered in the biblical text. Kurtz is of the opinion that they took spring water for the purpose, but he has overlooked the fact that if spring water was still to be had, there would be no necessity for the Egyptians to dig wells for the purpose of finding drinkable water. The supposition that the magicians did not try their arts till the miracle wrought by Aaron had passed away is hardly reconcilable with the text, which places the return of Pharaoh to his house after the work of the magicians. For it can neither be assumed that the miracle wrought by the messengers of Jehovah lasted only a few hours, so that Pharaoh was able to wait by the Nile till it was over, since in that case the Egyptians would not have thought it necessary to dig wells, nor could it be regarded as probable that after the miracle was over, and the plague had ceased, the magicians began to imitate it for the purpose of showing the king that they could do the same, and that it was after this that the king went to his house without paying any need to the miracle. We must therefore follow the analogy of Exodus chapter 9 verse 25 as compared with Exodus chapter 10 verse 5, and not press the expression, quote, every collection of water, end quote, so as to infer that there was no Nile water at all, 
not even what had been taken away before the smiting of the river, that was not changed, but rather conclude that the magicians tried their arts upon water that was already drawn, for the purpose of neutralizing the effect of the plague as soon as it had been produced. The fact that the clause, quote, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, end quote, is linked with the previous clause, quote, the magicians did so, etc., end quote, by a vav consecutive, unquestionably implies that the imitation of the miracle by the magicians contributed to the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. The expression, quote, to this also, end quote, points back to the first miraculous sign in Exodus chapter 7, verse 10. This plague was keenly felt by the Egyptians, for the Nile contains the only good drinking water, and its excellence is unanimously attested by both ancient and modern writers. Hengstenberg, Supplemental Pages, 108-109, translated. Continuing. As they could not drink of the water of the river from their loathing at its stench, they were obliged to dig around about the river for water to drink. From this it is evident that the plague lasted a considerable time, apparently seven days. At least this is the most natural interpretation of the words, quote, and seven days were fulfilled after that Jehovah had smitten the river, end quote. From Kyle and Delich Biblical Commentary on the Old Testament. That is a lot of commentary to set the timeline of events. However, I do believe it was necessary for the correct information. It commented quite firmly that this was not a momentary or even a short event of just a day or less, a few hours. No! As best understood, it was a full seven days. The one thing that has been known for a long time is that a man or a woman in a desert can last about 40 days without food. However, thirst needs to be renewed almost daily. Without water, one can die long before death caused by lack of food will occur. Therein, the need for the Egyptians to find fresh water quickly. You then need fresh water also, and daily, for the food you grow so you can eat. We need to learn more. The sight of such vast rolling streams of blood could not but strike horror. Nothing is more common than water. So wisely has Providence ordered it, and so kindly, that what is so needful and serviceable to the comfort of human life should be cheap and almost everywhere to be had. But now the Egyptians must either drink blood or die for thirst. Egypt was a pleasant land, but the dead fish and blood now rendered it very unpleasant. It was a righteous plague and justly sent upon the Egyptians, for Nile, the river of Egypt, was their idol. That creature which we idolize, God justly takes from us 
or makes bitter to us. They had stained the river with the blood of the Hebrews' children, and now God made that river all blood. Never any thirsted after blood, but sooner or later they had enough of it. It was a significant plague. Egypt had great dependence upon their river, so that in smiting the river, they were warned of the destruction of all the produce of their country. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. In the day of the Egyptians, this pandemic was significant. Coronavirus, or COVID-19, is exactly that for us today. Notice what commentary said. It was a righteous plague and justly sent upon the Egyptians, for Nile, the river of Egypt, was their idol. Today, we could ask this question. What idol is our coronavirus or COVID-19 possibly addressing? What do people today around the world idolize that could possibly be addressed by this present pandemic? What if it is simply money? The reason I ask that question is how this present pandemic has financially stressed many governments around the world, how it has stressed many businesses around the world and made some fail, never to return again. Also, look what it has done to many people around the world who were on the edge and now have been pushed into poverty. Will we come out of it? Maybe. Times sure cannot get any worse, right? Unfortunately, times can get worse, a whole lot worse. So the question becomes, will we learn from this present pandemic or will we recover and sink deeper? Will we find our way into another pandemic of which will only be worse than this one? in similar fashion to this series of plays here in Exodus. Can you imagine another pandemic only worse than this one? I do not think anyone listening wants to go down that road. This pandemic has been devastating. No place has been safe from the reach of this present pandemic. With that said, let's look deeper. Now, as a result of the Nile being an idol to the Egyptians, we also found in commentary this comment, that creature which we idolize, God justly takes from us or makes bitter to us. They had stained the river with the blood of the Hebrews' children, and now God made that river all blood. There it is, the reasoning for the Nile being turned to blood. They had stained the river with the blood of the Hebrews' children. That is the reasoning for this pandemic of the Nile being turned into blood. What is very interesting is this commentary passage. Never any thirsted after blood, but 
Sooner or later, they had enough of it. It was a significant plague. Egypt had great dependence upon their river, so that in smiting the river, they were warned of the destruction of all the produce of their country. There is where this Egyptian issue with the Nile being turned to blood gets worse. By turning the Nile and other waters to blood, thirst was very difficult to quench and field-grown crops were to also certainly die. The two very necessary needs for human survival, no matter where you live, water and food. Our present-day pandemic is killing people around the world at an understated alarming rate. Not deliberately understated, but understated for the lack of the proper words to put it in the proper perspective so the one hearing can fully understand. Simply, we lack descriptive words to properly describe this pandemic to others. With that insight, What is so different today that there is possibly a difference between what we are reading about in Exodus? Yes, the reasoning for our pandemic is quite probably different than in the book of Exodus. However, the end result is far too similar. So, again, I ask the question, what is God addressing in the lives of people around the world that requires a pandemic to get people's attention. What should we correct that is running unchecked at this point? It could be one thing, or many things specific to where we live. It is clear, if we are not asking such questions and looking for answers, we are only doomed to live with more unpleasantness. Commentary tells us that in Exodus, the narrative leaves it quite undecided how rapidly the plagues succeeded one another, on the supposition that the changing of the Nile water took place at the time when the river began to rise, and when the reddening generally occurs, many expositors fix upon the month of June or July for the commencement of the plague in which case all the plagues, down to the death of the firstborn, which occurred in the night of the 14th Abib, i.e. about the middle of April, would be confined to the space of about nine months. But this conjecture is a very uncertain one, and all that is tolerably sure is that the seventh plague, the hail, occurred in February, and there were not three weeks, but eight weeks, therefore, or about two months between the seventh and tenth plagues, so that between each of the last three there would be an interval of fourteen or twenty days. And if we suppose that there was a similar interval in the case of all the others, the first plague would take place in September or October, that is to say, after the yearly overflow of the Nile, which lasts from June to September. From Kyle and Delich Bible Commentary on the Old Testament.
that gives us a reasonable but not certain timeline for these ten plagues. Notice this alarming comment in commentary. There were not three weeks, but eight weeks, therefore, or about two months between the seventh and tenth plagues, suggesting that the eighth, ninth, and tenth plagues all occurred in that time frame. Now, we are getting ahead of things a bit, but for Egypt, this was only the beginning of terrible times. Maybe we, in modern day times, can learn something to help us survive the things ahead by finding salvation in Christ, which is in part for us to find favor with God in His love for eternity. Next week, we will look at the next plague frogs. Only one week until a plague of frogs overtakes the land. We will see next week. Play or download next week's episode, A Pandemic and Bible Prophecy, Part 3, from one of our podcast hosts. Or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check out our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. If you are visiting for the first time, Welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on 22 podcast sites. So you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, 
encourage your hearts, and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.